You are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. Episode 2 of Season 6 of Podcasting in Pinstripes. Steve and Sam here. Sammy, how you doing? I'm doing great, Steve. The Yankees are 5-1 and one since I last saw you and we last recorded. Sunday, they played their best game of the season by a long shot. 10-2 win. Garrett Cole looked amazing on the mound. Yankees hold Jose Ramirez to 1-for-11 in that series. All-around good stuff, minus the shutout on the getaway day in Detroit, which is the last game of a six-game road trip. But 5-1, and one, and the Orioles are coming to town Tuesday. The Yankees are one of three. American League teams with double-digit wins, and they're doing it in a lot of ways, so there's nothing to complain about on my end. (laughs) This is a much different feel from how we ended last episode, you know, berating the Yankees for losing two of three to the Orioles here, and at the end, we are kind of two kind of points I made at the end of last episode were that we were striving for the days of the Yankees winning two games of the first two games of a series and then having a punt lineup and being mad about that. And then, boom, we, we got that right away with Detroit. Two two wins, and then we got the dud, like you said, on, on Thursday, the 3-0 shutout to leave Detroit. And then they backed it right up, and they got two more wins in Cleveland. And I was thinking going into Sunday, Garrett Cole's been struggling. This could be the exact same situation as Detroit, where the bats probably disappear, and we take two of three. Which, you know, at the end of the day, two of three of every series is a good way to make, to make the playoffs in Major League Baseball. But, boom, as you said, the best day for the Yankees of the early season here. Garrett Cole looked like Garrett Cole. The Bronx Bombers hit three home runs, including one from Tim LaCastro that we didn't see coming. Uh, they were they giving up, bench players at-bats for fun at the end of the game. Right, and we have not seen that all year. LaCastro came in, and then I forget, it was Marwin Gonzalez got an at-bat. We were giving bench players at-bats for fun, and Tim LaCastro hits a homer, like you said. Smoked it a was, four, 415. That was one of the longer home runs of the year for the Yankees. It was just that kind of day. <laughs> it was. And it's the first time the Yankees scored double digits this season. It was the only the second time all year they scored more than six runs. And the first one was opening day in extra innings. So it was really nice to see the bats wake up here. Really, really well done. You know, six games there. The, the one mishap in, in Detroit. But overall, really positive week. And then, like you said, we get revenge, hopefully, with the Orioles coming to town this week. But plenty to talk about uh, on this episode here. And, Sam, the only place... We need to start here is the majestic gem himself, 2022 Gold Glove winner, Nestor Cortez Jr., who continues to defy all logic of him simply as a human being, let alone a professional pitcher in Major League Baseball. Another stunning outing from Cortez. Unfortunately, that was still unable to get his first win of the year, even though he's been the Yankees pitcher all year. Uh, what, what else is there to say about Nestor at this point so far? It's really just a remarkable story. He goes 91 pitches on Saturday, six and two thirds. His pitch count, we were talking about last week, Yeah. how length is something to keep an eye on with him. He gets through the three turns of the lineup on Saturday. His pitch count has increased every start. He threw 88 when he pitched against the Orioles. He was in the 70s in his first start of the season against the Blue Jays. Really, the Yankees might have found a hidden gem officially. I think hitters don't really see pitchers like this a lot of the times. He's throwing that fastball at 91, 92 miles an hour. He's throwing that breaking ball change up. 
82, 85, and that funky delivery, that funky arm release, or where he releases the ball. It's just a, a sight to see there on the mound. Is And like I said, he's not a pitcher we've seen the, the type of, a lot of in the in these recent Long years time. where these starters are coming out and throwing 96, 97 miles an hour consistently. The Guardians came into the Bronx on a, on a hot streak. They had just swept the Chicago White Sox. They scored 11 runs, two runs and six runs. And the, the Yankees held them to seven runs all weekend. The two runs on Sunday came when the game was 10 nothing. They came into this, the Yankees series, having scored the most runs in Major League Baseball. Like, yeah. they, they came in, at least in the American League, I'm pretty sure in the National League, too, coming into the series, the Yankees shut them down. You, said the Jose, you mentioned the Jose Ramirez. That guy ha, has crushed the Yankees for five, six years now. You, I was Even Sunday, I was like, you know what? If Cole just gives up a first-inning home run to Ramirez and then we then settles down, I'll be happy. But they 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 made him look kind of silly. A lot of a lot of the bats here, especially with Nestor. You know, it's eight strikeouts for him. You know, it, it's everything about Nestor is you know if for us after watching last year, it's not that big of a surprise because he was really good last year, and we were just wondering if it could continue throughout the year into into this year, and it really hasn't. He's picking up his strikeouts. I mean, the guy's got you know a, a twenty-five to three strikeout to walk ratio that's how you know tops in the majors the guy is, is you know becoming a strikeout pitcher without throwing heat mixing stuff up he's got a hop skip and a jump sometimes uh, on his delivery here and now he's making diving plays as Aaron Boone said that the legend of Nestor grows every start here um and it really is helpful because if we look at it here he's hit he's pitching in the fifth spot in the rotation but the the way it's looked you know him Cole Severino like that's your one two three right there you know, you can mix around whatever order you want. Obviously, Cole is your – he's paid to be your ace, and he pitched it like it on, on Sunday. But Cole, Cortez, Severino, those are your, your top guys right now. And then looking at the way that the, the Yankees are, are built, they're, they're built for success, as we mentioned last week, on their pitching. And Cortez, he gave up one hit, and it was a home run. You take away that one bad pitch. I mean, that's, those are the only runs he's given up all year. He's one bad pitch, and he's given up all year so far. It's only been three starts. But like you said, he's getting a little deeper. The innings are starting to rack up. Fifteen innings is fifteen innings, and it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. You know, Nestor days are becoming a thing. They really are, and it's just a wild, like I said, a wild change of pace from any pitcher or most pitchers you see in today's MLB. Like you said, he's really established himself as that number three, number two guy in that Yankees rotation. You made the point last week, seeing Cole one day, or excuse me, the hitters have to deal with Cortez on Saturday. We talked about the situation vice versa. If they had to see Cole and then Cortez, but they had to see Cortez and then Cole, maybe in a future playoff series, not to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but you'd see (laughs) Cole go game one and then Cortez go game two, and then you'd have Severino game three. You'd be mixing up, man. Keeping hitters all sorts of off balance, which it's just a sight to see out there. He's just a joy to watch. And that play when he tagged that runner out at first base, (laughs) making a diving play. I'm not sure the last time. If I've ever seen a pitcher do that, no. Uh, then yeah, it's been a long time since, since anyone's seen it. And they just seen him on the on the mound the rest of the game with just dirt across his chest. It's even funnier now because you know the only time you would see that is in the NL and the you know the prior to this year with the DH rule is if you had a a pitcher diving back to a base or something, which you probably got yelled at for. So just seeing a, a pitcher with a dirty uniform. What, what was funny and, and just perfect Nestor Cortez. I mean, that's really the only way to describe him at this point is, you know, that he, Nestor being Nestor 
Uh, and, you know, he <laughs> just a goofy dude. I don't know if you saw the pictures of Aaron Judge. So Aaron Judge turns 30 tomorrow. Well, today, I guess, when you're listening to this. Uh, and the Yankees all went out for his, for his birthday. And there were some photos that are appearing uh, of them out and about. And Cortez just looks like the biggest goofball of them all. The guy's just living life to, to the max right now. And it's uh, it's impossible not to root for. I love the mustache. It's part of him. So what's the deal? The Yankees have a no facial hair policy. But is a mustache officially not facial hair? This is something <laughs> I've, been try- I've been asking myself in the last year. Is a mustache not facial hair? I mean, it, I'm it not- is. The official rule is that you can have no facial hair except a neatly groomed mustache and Don Manley rocked that best of anybody and Thurman Munson rocked it back in the day but it's rare that you see uh, a pitcher that has it consistently I think for fans of our generation here have only seen the mustache come when people are trying to break out of a slump or getting a little superstitious but Nasty Nestor's been rocking that for a long time and that's not that better not be going anywhere anytime soon I need to see some uh Forget bobblehead day. Let's start giving out some nasty Nestor mustaches. It better not be going anywhere. I <laughs> love the look. The pitching staff as a whole I have right here. Just so, so impressive in the, in these last few games. Even in Detroit, minus that cold dud. But even in Detroit, holding the Tigers down. Two runs, three runs, three runs. I know they lost the game. I mean, the Yankees haven't surrendered five or more runs in the last week. Which is really, really good to see. The talk about the Yankees is when are they going to add starting pitching when are they going to add this when are they going to add that starting pitching we can say right now is a strong point of the team we'll see how far it goes into the summer and how the season plays out as we go through everything but right now starting pitching is a strong point of the team and that's that's not something we've been able to say in a lot of these years. It's massive. I mean, look, again, we're only three starts in for everyone except for except for Cole and whatnot. So ERA is is what you call it. But, you know, Nestor, 1.1. Jordan Montgomery, 2.5. Luis Severino, 2.0. Jamison Tyone, 3.0. Like, they, this team is, is – and look, all across baseball – Batting average is down, slugging is down. Who knows what the fuck they did to the baseballs this year? So we're we're seeing a lot less of that. But the the Yankees pitching staff is really going to benefit from this, and it goes like beyond their rotation. I mean, Mike King has been one of the best relievers in baseball. He's got a you know a .8 WAR already for a reliever who's only had a few appearances. It's pretty crazy. He's coming to look impressive as hell. He had seven straight strikeouts the other day. And, and then you still have the, you know, the old reliables. You know, we haven't really talked much about Luizaga this year. He hasn't looked great, to be honest. But he, we haven't really needed him. But Clay Holmes has looked great. And there, there's plenty in that bullpen. But Miguel Castro has looked fantastic since coming over from the Mets. You know, thanks for that one. And despite Araldis's little wild uh, scenarios here, he hasn't blown a game yet. So up and down the pitching has been as the Yankees planned for it. They are a pitching team. So they are less reliant on their hitting and which has struggled to begin with it. But- Mention Chapman. He's had four games since his meltdown and he's been pretty good he has three saves during that time I don't know about you but when he came into the games against Detroit one of the nights it was some 38 degrees with a one-run lead and I just signed away that we were gonna get awful Chapman in a blown game I was ready to lose that one but three and a third two hits no runs, four strikeouts, and a walk since that ninth inning yeah. against the Blue Jays on April 14th. A game uh, which the Yankees still won. <laughs> yeah, remarkably. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> I thought we were going to get a Chapman meltdown in Detroit when they were playing those games when that clock rolled around to 9.30, 10 o'clock and it dipped below 40 degrees. 
I figured we were going to get another meltdown, but he really held it together. Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're, it happens a couple times a year where he just comes out and you're like, he doesn't have it. We know it. Move on type scenario here. Uh, I would love for him to come out and throw like five pitches and then just call Boone for an injury and be like, yeah, I don't, I don't have it tonight. Like, let's, let's wait, this, save this for tomorrow. Get somebody up in the pen. But uh, he, he's a fighter and he's been, well, literally, and he's, uh, he's, he's been good for the Yankees and has been good for the Yankees. A free agent upcoming this year. So plenty for, for Chapman to uh, live up to the hype for him. Power pitcher in Chapman, not a power hitter in Isaiah Kiner for Leffa. But this guy has been hitting the ball and placing the ball all over the field. The past seven games, he has a 391 average, got five RBIs. He's been working the bases, too, with two steals. And he's even taken some walks, which he rarely has done in his career. Uh, Isaiah kind of flat for the, after a really rough start, I think he was one for 17 to start the year, has turned it on and become what the Yankees were hoping for when they made this move. And we can now see why they, they liked him a lot. From uh, his days with the Rangers here. Not power contact, but contact. And which is what everybody's been screaming for is get some contact hitters. Put the ball in play and see what happens. Connor Falefa has been doing that. And has been collecting some RBIs and some big clutch hits uh, with guys on base. He's hit safely in his last six games. He's 9 for 24 in that span. Only two of his hits are doubles, but he has five RBI. And he obviously hit the big double on Saturday that tied the game in the ninth inning with Glaber Torres walking it off one batter later. But that road trip, just to get away from Yankee Stadium a little bit, I saw some things on Twitter how that might have benefited him. Just getting away from the home crowd. You have to step in your first few games in the Bronx. The Yankees were home seven days in a row. The bright lights, you're playing shortstop for the New York Yankees. Obviously had a rough go of things. And he but... admitted to it, too. He's like, hey, I got a little in my head there. This is, a you know, playing for the Yankees is different. Growing up a Yankee fan. And he, kudos to him for being able to settle down. Like you said, great point that, hey, maybe just stepping away from Yankee Stadium has really changed his early outlook on the season. And it really, really proved well for him. Like you said, he's not a power hitter, but everyone has been clamoring for more contact, more contact, and you are definitely getting that with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. He's got that short, sweet swing up at the plate, and he just rolled hit those hands around on Saturday and launched that double right in the left field to tie the game. Great defense at shortstop these past few games. He's got some great range. He moves to his right, and he fields the ball head-on. He doesn't backhand it a lot. He's got that lateral quickness that the Yankees were really missing with Glaber Torres at shortstop. But really, just getting away, getting on that road trip, he looks really, really locked in. I don't think he's going to hit 300 all year, but if he can stay above 270, get in that 280 neighborhood and hit some singles, bring some contact, low strikeout percentage down at the end of that lineup, you get yourselves a really solid player. Yeah, and, and the key for him this week has been that runners in scoring position. You know, he's got four hits all this week kind of with runners in scoring position. That's how he's got all five of his RBIs. One was a sack fly. But still, that that's what the Yankees were missing those first two weeks was like, oh my God, the Yankees are terrible with runners in scoring position. How can they have such a deep team and all this power and they can't hit with runners in scoring position? And it's turned out it hasn't been the power guys. It's been Isaiah kind of falefa coming through with bloopers. You know, they look like line drives in the box score. That's what I, I've been saying lately for, for this kind of the end of the Yankee lineup here is the power's up front, but the guys in the back are doing some of the dirty work, which has been needed. And that's that's led to a 5-1 and one week uh, in the victory column. So he's batting 286 on the season, only, only 4 for 14. But if he can maintain that, that ratio from uh, bottom of the order, runners in scoring position, it is huge because... 
that's going to take pressure off the top guys, guys that love to see the count go deeper, guys who are in the middle of that lineup of a LeMahieu, Rizzo, and Donaldson, and even Gallo. They like to see the pitches and like to work walks. If the bottom of the lineup is producing and working well with runners in score position, they will be more inclined to take those walks. They're not going to be forcing it and be like, oh, if I don't get a hit here, the inning's going to be end because the seven, eight, nine guys can't get hits either. They'll take the walk of, hey, I'll move over to first. Maybe if someone's on first base, I'm going to put us at first and second now. First and second, Isaiah Kleiner for left, blooper to center field, one nothing Yanks. So it's a trickle-down effect for, for the entire lineup. So him doing well at the bottom of the lineup is going to turn over the lineup and get to our power hitters. It's also going to help the power hitters, I think, relax a little bit, a little bit more. Sam, we talked a lot about the, the lineup last week, kind of how it's been shuffling around. We saw some consistency when, when big guys are all in. We've seen the lineup more often than not become Hicks, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, LeMayu, Donaldson as one through six. I would like to see more consistency with that, and we started to see that this week. And I think that's been huge benefits of guys like DJ, even though he did go to the leadoff spot here when Hicks wasn't playing. But DJ and Rizzo, I think both had big weeks here. So as our third final three up of the week, I'm going to let you pick between... uh, the Machine and Rizzo. I, I got to go with The Machine. 11-game hitting streak dating back to two weeks ago. He's slugging. This is his biggest thing. The Yankees really missed his slugging last year. He's slugging 5-3-7, 6 RBI. He's slugging. He's getting extra base hits, which is what the Yankees missed so much last season. He was hitting a lot of singles, and he was hitting 260-270. That was not good enough for a guy that won a, almost won a couple of batting titles in his first two seasons with the Yankees he looks back and he's the player that makes the lineup go round Uh, and he's hit safely in 11 straight games the Yankees have some guys with some hitting streaks going right now Kiner Falefa in the machine DJ LeMayhew playing all over the place second base third base he's a guy that needs to be in the lineup every day and we talked about that last week and he has been he has been a staple in the Yankees lineup for, for every one of these games and to have him back in his 2019 and 2020 season form is going to be enormous Enormous for this team going forward. It has. And, and you mentioned the home run here. He really clocked that one uh, on Sunday. And that was the big key. You could tell with the hernia last year that he lost his power. I attributed a little bit of that to also the change of baseballs. He was kind of one of those players that was getting a lot of balls, uh, the juice balls to go over the fence that may not have a few years ago. So I, it was a combination of both. And we really saw the power dip. But that home run on Sunday, he rotated those hips and just clocked it for a, a pulled home run. Like I said, the first one was kind of a cheapy uh, home run, but still was great to see. Because uh, several times over this um, over the course of this weekend, we saw him go the opposite way with line drives. Uh, and he got that he got that lucky line drive double where the the left fielder mis- misjudged the ball. But how I'll, can't we score that an error in 2022? Yeah, clear error. Not, not to interrupt you, I'm sorry. No, no, but you're how right. can't we score that? An you error? feel bad for the pitcher who's on the mound there. I can't remember his name. Uh, I think it was Chive or whatever his name was. But clearly, error. that should have been end of the inning. DJ LeMayu started turning towards the dugout, and, and the guy just ran over the ball. It's a tough ball to catch. I mean, that's from the righty batter. That ball is slicing, and, and the guy had no idea what, what to do with the ball out there. But again, it counts as a double for him, so that's another extra base hit for there. But it was a rocket. So more importantly, even though it got caught, I don't care that it got, it didn't get, even if it got caught. It's still nice to see him going the other way with some power and with some some gusto there. Uh, and that's what something uh, Carlos Beltran 
new Yankees analyst said too. It's like, that was just a good swing and a good at bat from DJ, regardless of the outcome. It's, it's great that it looks as a, a two bagger with an RBI, but it's just, uh, it's good to see the other way there too. Now that I mentioned Carlos Beltran, Sam, did you get a chance to listen to him and Cameron Mabin? I put a poll out uh, earlier this week to see who people were liking more. The two Yankee new joined the play-by-play with Michael Kay. Uh, any thoughts uh, on Beltran and, and Mabin in their first series uh, with Kay? I think they're both doing a really good job. I, I think they both have their own styles. I love Beltran. He injects a lot of his former playing career into in the broadcast. Yeah, he does. Mabin, Mabin does the same. And they're both two guys that Yankees fans my age and around my age remember playing for the Yankees. Uh, like, I don't have any recollection of Paul O'Neill playing for the Yankees. No, I don't see, have yeah, any. That's where, we, that's where my old age comes in, Sam. <laughs> I get I get Paulie Warrior. I love Paulie Warrior. But I, but I completely agree with you in the fact that people can relate to them. I think both of them did a good job. You could easily tell that both of them were a little nervous and trying to figure out when to talk versus when, when Michael K talks. And, and that's, that's something that comes with Cone. O'Neill and Kay, they've been doing this for years together. They're just kind of old friends at this point, chatting, watching a baseball game, and it flows really nicely. You've, depending on how you feel about some of the content that they're talking about, it just feels like they, they gel well. So it's going to take some time for both of them to gel, but I think the key difference for me, and I think it's both positive, is uh, Beltran brings in a lot of his, his history as a, a switch hitter who had a Hall of Fame career, and it's more on the technical side, which I like to hear. That, you know, kind of the technical side of baseball where Mabin, who I'm sure understands all everything that Beltran's saying, he had a great career himself, but he's more on the, the friendlier side, more of having information about kind of the feelings and the emotions of the players in the locker room and in the dugout. So I think it's a kind of nice balance that you get. With, with both having them back-to-back there, of having getting that fun love in Mabin and his kind of personality where you get Beltran, who's going to be more of the technical side too. So I can understand why people will pick one or the other, but I think, as you said, both pretty good. I probably both will be sticking around for a few years. I love that the Yankees gave Cameron Mabin a shot despite him not having a real storied career with the Yankees. I mean, he was really good in the he short was, he time. He was loved in that short time. Yeah, I mean, he had a really good 2019 season with the Yankees. And even Beltran, he only played two and a half years with the Yankees, almost three years. So I, I like how the Yankees are giving these guys a shot despite not them not being a storied Yankee in Monument Park. So I really credit the Yankees for giving these two guys who were aspire to do this in their post-playing career a shot. And Paul O'Neill right now, he did a couple games in the beginning of the season. He cannot be at Yankee Stadium for an obvious reason. I don't even believe he can be on the road due to Yes Network's COVID vaccination. He's back in Studio 21 for now, and he said... uh... He'll reach out for comment in May because he's not doing any games this week either. So we'll we'll find out more about Paulie O'Neill to see. So what if he can't there. if he can't be at the games, if he can't physically be at the games, I have to say I'm not sure I have an interest in in listening to, to him call games from home. With all with all due respect, I know I'm not getting into any uh, debate about policies here or whatever. But if if he's calling the game from his home in Ohio, you can tell the difference when somebody's calling oh, the 100%. game from home versus when somebody's at the stadium. And I, I hated for so long, and unfortunately, it's still going on in sports where 
teams are not paying their broadcasters to travel. So Paul O'Neill, I, I hope he can call a game one day from wherever the Yankees play. But if it comes down to one of these guys who are at the stadium and, and Paul O'Neill that has to call a game from Ohio, I, I'd much rather listen to one of these guys and Mabin and Beltran or David Cohn. Yeah, and we lose Cohn because he does Sunday Night Baseball now, so Cohn is not going to be there for Sunday games um, unless the Yankees are obviously on. Sunday Night Baseball, but yeah, I think it's a hey, change it up. I think changes always can be welcomed here, and I'd be interested to see, listen to, learn, watch them both learn and how they how they grow as broadcasters because I think they both have a future. But it's always good to talk about a little bit about the Yankees besides on the field stuff, Sam. But we're gonna go ahead up to the the three down of the week. It's tough to have a down week when you go five and one, but there are some notable players that we need to talk about that will get some of the hopefully not be, not be on the list longer. The uh, number one option is obviously still Joey Gallo. Continues to struggle at the plate. Uh, has looked, uh, he's done, done fine in the field, but at the plate you could just tell he's not feeling it. His, his mannerisms in the dugout you could tell are, are becoming an issue. Had a nice double versus the Guardians th- this week, but more often than not has looked lost at the plate. And Beltran actually talked about it a lot, that he's been in this spot before where there just seems like there is nothing you could do to get out of what you're getting at. But he needs to just figure out that he's a major baseball player and he can hit the ball. We know he can hit the ball. We know he can hit home runs. He got that first RBI off his back, but it's really time. We need Joey Gallo. needs a home run this week. Can't believe. If you would have told me he was struggling like this, I'd say he'd have a couple of home runs. Like yeah. One or two home runs. Uh, I mean, that, that's... That's why he was perfect for this team, because even when he struggles, like he, if he just hits a fly ball to, to right field, he should get a home run or two at home, and he's not even getting that much lift on the ball. He's 7 for 55 on the season. Now, he does have a base hit in each of his last two games, which... It's nothing glamorous, but it's progress. I mean, he's getting on base rather than just being an automatic out. And why I don't think he has as long of a leash as some of these other guys, like Kiner Falefa for the first couple weeks, Donaldson's off to a bit of a slow offensive start as well, is because Yankees fans saw this guy struggle in the uniform last year after he was traded from the Rangers. So I, I hope he gets a couple of home runs this week. He has the Orioles coming to town. Orioles in Yankee Stadium. I want to see two home runs from Joey Gallo in this next series. I'll take one. And I'll take one. I'll take one as well, but I'm going to make a bold prediction and say he gets two home runs. We see Joey Gallo hit two home runs. My kind of concern this week for him has been the lack of walks. He's, we know he's going to strike out. We know hopefully he's going to hit home runs. We know he's not going to hit for a big average. He's going to hit into that shift every time, but he's been not getting his, his walks. Only, only one walk this week to go along with his 11 strikeouts, and that's concerning because that means he's kind of going out of his comfort zone and forcing it a little bit. Even when he struggled at times last year, he was getting on base a ton, which was fine. It was like, all right, you, you kind of, you own it and you, and you get on base and you figure it out next to bat. But but here it's, he's swinging out of the zone. If he gets two strikes on it, he's been, I've seen him late on a curveball. I've seen him ahead. I don't know. He's Nothing about it looked good. The double looked great. First pitch, smacked it. Had some top spin. It's a nice top spin to it. But other than that, like what it seems like if he doesn't crack the first pitch, and he gets behind in the count, there's there's no chance. And that's disappointing because he has a great eye. He has a great eye, but obviously he needs to, needs to figure it out. He's got seven hits uh, on the year. And, and shockingly, that double was his first double. Like one of the weirder stats for him was that he never gets singles. It's either doubles or home runs. Uh, and so it was very surprising that his first six hits were, were singles. It's surprising to see only one extra base hit on the season. And I like the point you made about walks because that's what he is. Home runs 
walks and strikeouts and good defense out in the outfield, although there's been some questions about that this season. Uh, I think you have to keep putting him out there. He's going to get into one of these eventually and, and hit a moonshot, and it's going to do so much for him confidence-wise. I'm hoping that double leads that. That double and an RBI. Uh, again, Beltran said that. Fill up that score box. Fill up that line item that comes up when you're, you know, even though he doesn't see it, but fill up that graphic when he comes up at the bat. He's got to do home runs, but he's still got that one RBI now. So now just get that one home run, and then from there, take it from there. We have, we are seeing him get benched more often than not if there is kind of the, the rotation that's been going on. Aaron Judge played every game last week, which he absolutely should do and continue to play every game for the foreseeable future. But we saw, you know, Aaron Hicks playing a little bit in left field. And then Sam, a little surprise that we had on Monday was that Miguel Andujar was called up for the Yankees. Initially, scared me because I thought, oh no, this could lead for an injury. You know, Stanton was out on Sunday. Is there something wrong here? But thankfully, it looks like it's going to be that Aaron Hicks is going to be a dad and will be on paternity leave the next few days. If you're going to call up Andujar instead of a pitcher for the next two or three games, to me, that means he's getting at least one start in left field. And that means Joey Gallo is going to be on the bench again for one of the next three games. Andujar's had a really good season in AAA. He's hitting almost 350. He's got three home runs. That 2018 rookie season feels forever ago. And I know he got injured quickly in 2019. And then we had the 2020 season. And then last season, he was caught in the log jam. But I'm excited to see what he can do. This is a guy who who we had such high hopes for, who we had in every trade package for the Yankees to possibly land a starting pitcher or a big one. I'm waiting for a long time. I mean, he was in the original package to land Garrett Cole from the Pirates. And he has that violent helicopter swing. He doesn't walk hardly at all. (laughs) No. But I'd like to see this guy have success, whether it be with the Yankees or with somebody else. And he's going to get the shot to do it in these couple of games if he gets one start, which you said it looks like he will. I think you're right, though. I think for the Yankees, strong AAA performance for the first two weeks of the year, which is nice to see. And if he gets a start in left field, doesn't you know, holds his own in left field and gets a base hit, that's got to boost his trade value. Even if you send him right back down and we don't see him again until the deadline, his name pop up at the deadline, just that it's got to give you a little little boost for, for his trade value because I think that's where we see him long-term for the Yankees is now just as a trade piece because he's not going to be there for – if he's not going to be a defensive replacement type guy or a pinch hit type guy, I think, on the 26-man roster, especially with rosters getting smaller in, in, in May. So I, we'll, we'll see what happens with him there, but it's good to see. But, again, it leads more to Gallo going to be on the bench at least one of these next three games is my assumption. Could be totally wrong here. But it could also be the benching of – not benching. There's another rest day for John Carlos staying. You mentioned we were kind of looking for someone to, to add to the three down list here and you mentioned Stanton because uh, you had some numbers that were not that enticing for for Giancarlo. He's on a three for 30 his last seven games. <laughs> not only enticing. One, only one walk in that time. Again, another another just Gallo. Him and Gallo having two walks over the past six games is not ideal for the, the Yankees order. He got the day off on Sunday, which I think was well. I think that was a good decision. We talk about who's getting the off days and who's not in this day and age of the Yankees lineup having a log jam, and definitely him getting the off day Sunday was the correct call. Orioles are coming to town on Tuesday. I expect Stanton back in there, and I think this is short-lived. You 
said the, the, during the wild card game when the Yankees were losing after Stanton hit that home run, you said not a word about Stanton for the next year. And I am sticking yeah. to that in a big way with the way he was post-August 1st for the Yankees and for the way he was even to start the season. He had a couple home runs against the Red Sox. He, he, he looked was, great to start the year. Yeah, and he was the only Yankees player to show up in the final game of the season last year, that awful wild card loss at the Red Sox. But I'm not concerned about Stanton here. Just definitely not his best week as a Yankee. But I have all the confidence in the world that we're going to get a big Stanton home run tear when the weather heats up. And it's the same thing that happens with Gallo. You get streaky. And it, you, the, the goal for the Yankees is to make sure that these guys all don't get on the down streak at the same time. Right now, Gallo and Stanton are on that downside. But a positive side for Stanton before we move to some of the bullpen arms. He played right field pretty well and he gunned down a runner. It is so easy to forget that he was a decent outfielder for the majority of his career with the Miami Marlins and he showed he still has an arm I love seeing him play well in the outfield because it does give that reminder of hey this guy is only a month older than I am it's not like this guy's an old dude he's 32 years old and he's in phenomenal shape and is a, is a great athlete. So it's nice to see him running around there and showcasing that arm in right field. It really, really is. And he was a good outfielder with the Marlins. And you, you, you have, when you go with the big, not the big outfield, but if you the, have... The, the tripod? Well, if you go with anywhere, any of the four between... Hicks, Judge, Stanton, and Gallo have great arms out there. It, it's, yeah, they're when they do the. You're right. I think when they do the Stanton right, the Judge center, and then Hicks in left, you've got elite arms at all spots. I mean, Hicks's arm has gone down a little bit the past few years from center, but if you move him over to left, he's got a great arm for a left fielder. Stanton's got a good arm for a right fielder, and Judge has is, is, got a cannon all around. I mean, that, and that, the funny part is you're putting two-time Gold Glove winner Gallo on the bench in that scenario. We might want to see how we tinker with the outfield, how Gallo. Gallo bounces back because one of the guys I wanted to mention is Glaber Torres, who I feel like is the lost guy in the Yankees shuffle this year. But he came up enormous on Saturday, despite those idiot fans in right field kind of overshadowing that moment. He pinch hits, he walks it off, gives the Yankees a win. Two for four with a double and a walk Sunday. This is a guy I want to see in the lineup Tuesday against the Orioles because if Torres gets back to close to his 2019 form, this was a player that almost had 40 home runs that season, and he's only 24 years old. He's someone I really, really want to see do well. And with his recent stretch of having a couple good at-bats against the Guardians, I want to I want to see him in the lineup come Tuesday against the Orioles. And he looked good. A lot, a lot of those, I think three of the four hits that you mentioned there were all the opposite way, including the walk-off here, which he smacked into the gap there, too. That was, that was old Globe Klaber there. He got home run happy the past few years and was trying to pull the ball and get some left. His only home run this year was opposite field as well, too. So go with the opposite field all day. Look, what he look, he had those numbers, which are insane, and it had to do with the juice ball a little bit for sure. But when you think about it, Glaber Torres was coming up as a prospect for coming over from the Cubs to the Yankees. They said he was going to be a middle infielder with decent pop, 15th to home run, maybe plus, maybe a little over 20 home run potential. Then he comes on the scene out of nowhere and is popping 38 home runs. And that changed everything about his future. People were picking him to be MVP. We were right there with him, you know, picking him at 45 home runs by the time he's, you know, he's 27 and things like that. And that definitely got into his head and changed his approach at the plate. And this year he's gone back a little bit to the old approach of, hey, 
I'm a really good baseball player. I don't need to hit 40 home runs. We got guys throughout the lineup who can do that. I just need to play my game and get on base. And he's looked much better the past four games uh, overall. And and the big thing is we, we talked about, we, we like how Rizzo's playing a lot. We like how DJ's playing a lot. They're, he's not going to be a shortstop anymore, which, which we said. So the, the getting him in the lineup is going to be the tough part. of wrote, look, we, The Yankees have built a team of 10 starters for nine spots. And that means every day someone's going to be the short guy out of it. And for the most part this year, when push comes to shove, it's Ben Glaber, right? He's got to be played the least out of everybody uh, so far, right? In terms of games started, Torres has to be da- I'm, I'm down a, the line. I'm going to pull it up real quick. But, I mean, look, I mean, this is actually pretty crazy. Like The Yankees are, are what, they're 10 and 6? Yeah. Uh, so that's 16 games played. We have 16 games played, which includes, obviously, pinch hitting and stuff. But Donaldson, Gallo, Judge, and Rizzo have played 16 games. Hicks, Isaiah Kalefa, DJ LeMayu. John Carlos Stanton and Gleyber Torres have played 15 games. So they've done a really good job of evening out these at-bats. So while each week as we kind of go through and kind of be like, oh, this guy's sitting, this guy's sitting, at this pace at the end of the year, you're going to be looking at everybody playing 120 games. So it's going to work out fine. I'm excited to see Torres if he gets two of these starts in the Orioles series. Just because, like you said, he's going the opposite way. And you made a really good point about him having the 38 home runs in the juice ball year because... And he's 22. I mean, it would blow up my head too. (laughs) I really, really hate how we get no transparency from MLB. I think they did say they changed the ball... In the 2020 season. They, they changed the, the ball again this year, but they didn't say what. They just said, hey, we may have altered the ball in 2022. I, I hate it. We get like no, no transparency. Like, no shit. Hitting's, hitting's been terrible this year. Just zero transparency. I honestly enjoyed the juice ball year. That was fun. That was great. The home run tracker was off the charts. <laughs> I would love it if we brought it back, honestly. It was it was a fun, fun season. I hope he turns things around. If he hits 280, 290, you know, if he hits for a higher average and and we see 15, 20, or 25 home runs as opposed to almost 40, I'd be fine with it. But he was a guy that was seen as the Yankees' most important player by some after that 2019 season. I mean, he was going to be the starting shortstop. He was going to be the guy for the Someone Yankees. we didn't have to work worry about for the next decade. And now here we are. People want him just cut. There were, there were people wanting him cut earlier this year. Just get rid of him. Who cares? You can't play baseball. Like, it's absurd. Plenty of value. Before we go on to the look at the the schedule for this week, just kind of, it reminded me, as I read off all these games played by all these different players here that we have, Sam, it's really nice to talk about no injuries. It's really it nice. It really is. Not Never would want to wish an injury on anybody, but Luke Voigt's on the IL for the Padres right now. It's really nice to not talk about injuries, and you want to bash the lineup every day of, how could you rest this guy? Why are you resting this guy? You're going to be a lot more pissed if Miguel Andujar was called up because Aaron Judge has to go on the IL. It's really nice not to worry about it so far. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, next week is going to be an entire episode about how the Yankees lost 10 of their starters to injury. I did that last year. You did, yeah, yep. <laughs> I think it was with Stanton. Stanton Judge, yep. Yes, yes. I, I was. That was masterful work by me. I mean, <laughs> only me. Only I could do that. No injuries. It's great to talk about. They have the catcher in the minors. Ben Royvent. Yes, he's he's hurt. Uh, he he was going to be in the in the minors. Uh, so and, and the interesting part about that, 
briefly is that that led to getting Trevino, who's played pretty well as a catcher for the Yankees. And even when Ben's healthy, he's got to be staying in AAA. If you're if you're the Yankees right now, you're not going to be risk getting rid of uh, Higashioka. I don't think has any options. I think Trevino actually does have an option, but there's no reason right now not to have Ben just be your AAA catcher for majority of this season unless an injury comes up, right? Yeah, that's what they were saying on the broadcast yeah. the other day on Sunday. So I think the Yankees catching situation is pretty set we talked about last week of how they're kind of sacrificing the offense from that position to to go with a defense first mentality and I I think it's worked so far the offensive numbers are not pretty but if these guys are getting on base once a game and playing good defense seeing pitches I like what they're what they're doing and it was a really really good move to get Trevino from Texas like you said a, a move that's paying big big dividends we discussed how he catches the ball last week and that all looks the same and he he got the start with Cole we know that Higgy's been Cole's guy since coming over that's maybe more of a knock on on you know Gary Sanchez and it it is a praise for Higashioka but but Trevino got the start with Cole which I think is something to look forward to see how his next start is because uh that was back-to-back day games if Higgy was hitting that would have been Higgy's start so the Yankees are, are are not you know catering to Cole in that aspect at least not at all personal catcher thing not something I want to do again especially with Gary gone yeah I, yeah, I absolutely we, we gotta get over <laughs> Just this that. All right, Sam, so we had a five-in-one week this year. We beat up on some competition that we were supposed to be beating up on. So that was great to see from the Yankees. Well, it's another week ahead, and it's more of that competition the Yankees should do really well with. Somehow the Baltimore Orioles have been a pain in the Yankees' ass for the past year and a half now. Three games starting Tuesday with Luis Severino on the mound versus Baltimore, and then we go on the road to Kansas City. Kansas City's got some young players, got, got some fun there. But again, if you're looking at this after watching how we watched the past six games this week, it's got to be hoping for another five in one week, right? Absolutely. The Royals have have struggled to score runs this season. Definitely, they have really fallen off since their 2015 magical run. I I don't believe they have been back to the playoffs after that that season. I I think they disappointed the the next year, and they've been a bottom team in the American League Central. So I'm and, hoping- and they currently have 43 runs scored this year, which is tied with the Reds for the least in baseball. So the Yankees pitching staff has been one of the best in baseball this year, as the Yankees have only given up 44 runs all year, which is second to the Dodgers. So the Yankees don't give up runs, and the Royals do not score runs. So this should be a sweep for the Yankees in Kansas City, at least. At least. I don't know if you can. Can you win four games in three? But the key is going to be the Orioles. The Yankees need to win a series versus the Orioles just to get that weird monkey off your bat. And the Orioles have been, you know, they're also not scoring that many runs. They've only scored runs apparently versus the Yankees. So th- this is time that their pitching staff has been good this year. They need to dominate some lesser lineups. Young, young talent on both teams, but make them look young. Make them look like rookies and do not give up the, the any big innings. And then the Yankees need to take advantage of a pitching staff on both sides that the Yankees should dominate. They, they should be two to three run wins easy in majority of the games here but it's gonna to be tough it's tough to win six in a row i'll give them that but you said four and two at minimum five and one is the hope here uh, and maybe another double digit scoring outburst in the offense so just basically a repeat of last week i would love to see a double digit scoring outburst of the offense again as soon as possible can the orioles come in i feel bad for montgomery we haven't scored for him in three years the the orioles come in having lost three of four at the oakland athletics all the 
one of those games was pretty tight. And then they had a good series out in Anaheim. They're held in their own. They, they beat the Angels two out of three times and a narrow loss on, on Sunday where they gave up a grand slam. So they've been playing pretty well since the, the, they yeah, beat they, the Yankees two or three. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what the Yankees can do against two inferior opponents. The Yankees have had a little bit more success against the Orioles in Yankee Stadium as opposed to Camden Yards. That's been just a weird place for them, Camden Yards, in these last few years. But with the Yankees being at home, I wouldn't be surprised to see a 6-0 and week here, 5-1. and Finish above 500. If you, oh, if you, win, you have to finish you, above 500. So they, If they, you win two-thirds of your games, you're in great position. You're, you're in I the mean, 90 wins, yeah. You're, you're yeah. looking good. And they're important because after those two series, the Yankees go to the Blue Jays, and we'll talk about the Blue Jays more next episode, but they the Blue Jays are the only team in the American League that has more wins than the Yankees right now. The Blue Jays are eleven and six. The Yankees are ten and six. So it's important that the Yankees collect wins versus lesser opponents for when they go and play teams that are of equal value to them, which the Blue Jays are. Strong week all around for the Yankees. Bigger week, ideally, coming up for them. This is one of the uh, the easier podcasts to do, Sam. When you go 5-1, and one, you hit some power. You have your ace doing what he's supposed to do on the Sunday before you record. There's nothing too much to complain about when you're the Yankees right now. All that can change in one game, as we've seen over the past few years for the Yankees. So they need to come out and get a win Tuesday. Do not lose the momentum that you've gained over this sweep over the Guardians. Yeah, and we've got Severino on the mound Tuesday. He didn't have his best stuff against the Tigers, but he went five innings, seven hits, where he worked out of trouble, and he had three strikeouts. He doesn't have that 98, 99-mile-an-hour stuff anymore. He's got the changeup we talked about, yet, But he's got the changeup. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do on Tuesday for, for a guy who's been a – Pretty big surprise, I think, early on in this season. Absolutely. Surprises all around the Yankee lineup. Uh, and we didn't really talk about Judge, but a you know, happy big 3-0 to the huge, large, gigantic man. He had his first two home run game of the season uh, and is coming into full swing. Another monster year for him. So let's have him have another monster week and then we'll put him on the three up for next week. But until then, it's Sam and Steve podcasting in pinstripes. You can find me at Twitter at angelsteve 89 and you can find Sam at Real Sam Mars. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back next week. Go Yanks!